Welcome back to Exquisitely Aligned, where the answers are on the inside. I am your host, Gina Meyer Vincent, and today I am delighted to bring to you someone who lights up the room, puts smiles on faces, music and sound to people's emotions, and touches their heart in such a deep way. I had the great pleasure of meeting Deborah Wondercheck last year at about this time in Dallas, Texas, and I knew immediately I wanted to talk with her because she just glows. So let me tell you a little bit about her awesomeness. Deborah Wondercheck is a dedicated corporate leader with a profound commitment to social justice and equality with over 20 years of experience in education program implementation and arts advocacy. Deborah serves as the founder and CEO of the Arts Learning Conservatory. She is also a professor of string pedagogy, I hope I said that right, a cellist and an orchestral conductor. <laughs> Deborah remains unwavering in her mission to provide culturally inclusive artistic training and education to the children in over 50 schools and believes that by nurturing and empowering the next generation, we can contribute to the ongoing healing and advancement of marginalized communities. She is also the creator and producer of the countrywide Juneteenth stage production called Gospel Voices of the OC, a professional project that pays tri tribute to the indomitable spirit and faith of African-American ancestors through the lens of the arts. Deborah's impactful contributions have been recognized through various notable achievements. In 2023, she was invited to the Board of Trustees at Vanguard University, an esteemed acknowledgement of her leadership and expertise. In 2022, she was appointed as the Commissioner of the Arts and Woman of the Year by the City of Costa Mesa. That same year, Deborah was honored as the Woman of, as the woman of Distinction by the California State Assembly and Senate. The Arts and Learning Conservatory under Deborah's visionary guidance has received numerous accolades, including Orange County's Outstanding Arts Organization of the Year Award and the National Youth Award, Arts, sorry, Arts Award for Best Youth Production in Southern California. These recognitions highlight the conservatory's commitment to excellence and its positive impact on the community. Through the arts, Deborah hopes to inspire and uplift others to strive towards a more inclusive and equitable society for all. And I have to say, Deborah, I believe that the striving that you have done has totally paid off. So thank you and welcome, Deborah. I am so delighted to have you with me today. I'm literally honored to be here, Gina. So thank you so much for inviting me to be part of your wonderful show. Well, you and I have had a very short, brief conversation prior today to today mm -hmm. regarding just a few things to let me have a glimpse into your life. And I always like to start with, like, how did you get here to this fabulous bio that you have that I've just completed reading and sharing with everyone? What brought you to such a place? I love music, always have music as a part of our life here in our family of four. I grew up with my mom who played violin. I played flute piccolo. My sister played violin. My brother played sax, but just for, a sh uh, uh, sorry, trumpet for a short period of time. My husband's a saxophonist. Our kids each played instruments, but unfortunately, to my dismay, they they gave them up. But I keep telling them when they're adults, they need to pick them back up or pick up a new instrument because music, I believe music is a great way for us to connect with ourselves mm -hmm. and to connect with others and be able to, it's another way of speaking, in my opinion. But how did you get to this marvelous place that you're at helping all these people, these children and adults? Well, you know what? I had just, I did a big um, speaking engagement just on Thursday. Yeah. And I summed it up with uh, this whole, this whole venture journey that I've taken to come where I am today with the arts actually began when I was 10 years old with the cello on my back and literally a suitcase in my hand. 
And I stated, stated that because at the age of 10, for when yeah. my mom was at the age of 10, she had stated that she always had a desire to play a musical instrument. Mm -hmm. And the school that she was at at the time, and she grew up during the mid 40s, 50s, that's mm -hmm. when she was a child, mm -hmm. uh, elementary, going into middle school. And she said the school where she was at basically denied her the opportunity to play a musical instrument. And it hurt her so deeply. Her school was not segregated, it was desegregated. But yeah. that whole, um, you know, that social injustice that was occurring at that time, it was systemic. It was just natural to say, hey, we don't want that person here. So we just will create an opportunity. And her parents couldn't afford to buy an instrument. Mm -hmm. So um, she was denied it. And But instead, you know, she was hurt deeply. But what she did Absolutely. was, she was like, look, when I'm married and I have children, they're all going to play in a musical instrument. Mm -hmm. And that was just something she said when she was 10. You know, fast forward, she got married seven children later. I'm the wow. youngest of seven. And in our household, literally, we all were either violinists, violists, cellists. We had a string bass player and even a conductor. Wow. And <laughs> yes, so... All of that being said, she meant what she said, and yeah. she wanted to make sure that arts were equitable and accessible, not just to the children in our household, but she wanted that to just be the norm. And that's mm -hmm. what I carry today. But I, I mentioned that cello was on my back and suitcase in my hand. Right. Um, I was going to ask, where were you yeah. going? <laughs> okay. Well, the cello on my back, suitcase in my hand was um, my... I actually grew up in a wonderful musical home. Five yeah. of us ended up going to different universities. But by the time I was um, 10 years old, my third oldest sibling had received his full scholarship for music to a university across the nation. Wow. However, it should have been a time of celebration. Yeah. But what it ended up being was a time where, when my mom knew where my third oldest sibling was going to school, she had already decided now is the time for some drastic changes to happen in our family. Oh. Our family was a very fun, loving, great musical place, but it was, my mom was in a very volatile, abusive marriage. Mm. And so we had to literally plan and scheme our way of escape from that situation. So at the age of 10 with a suitcase on my back, uh, uh, sorry, cello on my back, suitcase in my hand, we literally escaped in the night wow. one evening from Ooh. Chicago to Denver, Colorado. Wow. We, yes, yes. Oh. My mom, my mom had, had decided, hey, once these three older ones are safe away in college, oh. I can handle four. I can yeah. handle four kids. And she so, only has two hands, but she can handle all four. She can handle four. And, she, and not, not I mean, and she left the state and didn't even go one state away. No. Wow. No. Wow. So we ended up going to, uh, to Denver, Colorado. Oh, um, some wow. women had helped her. Uh, wow. We were in a women's shelter for like three months. Wow. And after three months of being there, we're getting settled in. But then... Wow. We found out that my my dad may have found out where we were, so we oh, moved again to wow. San Diego. We lived in the San Diego um, Salvation Army Center for a little yeah. bit, and then yeah. we moved again to Oceanside. Wow, uh, to another women's shelter. Yeah, uh, because we just had to we had to keep moving. Run. Um, yeah. But when we got to that women's shelter. It was, it was different this time around. The area where we were, because we were in Oceanside. So to me, coming from Chicago, <laughs> California, I'm like, woohoo. Uh, Paradise. Yeah. So I heard Oceanside. I'm like, we're going to be near the ocean. I can finally get to, to see the beach. Yes. These palm trees. And there's right. coconuts in the palm trees. Because right. all I knew was Gilligan's Island. and. <laughs> He, he climbed trees and there's coconuts, you know? So by the time we get to Oceanside, we do see the ocean, but we're driving further and further away from the ocean. Oh. I'm like, where are we going? Yeah. And to the point where there's no ocean in sight and the area wow. where we lived was literally like 
tagged with graffiti. Oh, it was wow. basically the residence of the Bloods and the Crips. It was not like a safe place to live at all, but that's all we knew. And that was yeah. our place where our safety net away from all the chaos. Yeah. And so by the time we got to that place, my self-esteem as a child was so like gone. I'm like, yeah. we're so far away from home. This yeah. place is not my home. Right. And um, I didn't have much of a voice. I didn't even care to have a voice. I mean, every right. bit of joy of what I had back home with instrument and family was right. shot because it was so foreign to me. But across the street from the women's shelter where we were staying, mm -hmm was actually an arts magnet school. And oh, no at the arts, it was amazing. It, it just shifted who I was as an individual. Yeah. I got my voice back because now I'm playing my cello in the little school orchestra. I'm involved in dance classes. There's, yeah. there's the makeup classes. There's this, there's that band, you yeah. know, musical theater. Yes. And I literally regained my confidence. The instructors right. were amazing. They breathed life into me. What uh -huh. I was doing just, just yes. invigorated me again. And it really took being in that particular environment for my situation because literally the arts saved my life. I love so it. You fast forward to, you know, later I did get a full ride to a university for playing mm -hmm. my cello. I'm a cellist, mm -hmm. by the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that I was able to travel the world and just experience different cultures. But in the back of my mind, I kept remembering my situation, yeah. knowing that there are other kids out there who don't have resources. But because of my mom, she advocated. She got an instrument in my hand. She made sure mm -hmm. I had private lessons. I mean, mm -hmm. I, even though we were basically at one point living on welfare, we, we had nothing once we left the women's shelter. Sure. She sure. sought out a music t instructor, a music teacher that was a cellist, a Juilliard graduate who had a huge wow. cello studio. And she sought her out and said, look, we're a family in need. My daughter has a, an amazing talent. She needs yes. help. And would you help her? You know, mm -hmm. she'll, she'll come and garden for me. I didn't garden. Yeah. Don't put me in front of plants. And I, what, what's hilarious is she told the woman she'll do whatever. And this woman's like, well, we do need help with gardening here at <laughs> home. And, you know, can she come and garden? And like, yes, Deborah is a gardener. She'll come and garden for you. I killed every plant that woman put in front of me. I think after a while she realized, Okay, just play the cello. Just well, I was know. I was going to say you should have just set up a chair, your music stand, and your cello, and played to the flowers. I bet you all of them would have overgrown. She would have been know. like, "Oh my gosh, we could sell off some of these plants." That would have been so much better than what I did to that woman's <laughs> plant. And even at one point, I think I had gone to Disneyland. Someone, some wonderful family, had taken. Uh, myself and my couple of my siblings to Disney. And I looked at all these great bushes of Mickey. And so I thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back. And at that lesson, I'm gonna cut something in the bushes. I destroyed that woman's bush. <laughs> He's like, don't put, put the scissors down. Just play the cello. So anyway. <laughs> oh my That's God. The, the teacher. Her name is Miss Brown, and her studio yeah. was amazing. I mean, she mm -hmm. was so well renownedly known that we were at a studio where she was able to get us in front of Yo Yo Ma. Whoa. Who is an amazingly famous cellist. Look them up. Those of you who are online with us, look that up. But um, we were able to do a master class with him. Um, wow. I was able to see Lynn Harrell, who is another famous cellist, wow. um, perform. And it just opened doors so that when it was time for me to go to college, I had opportunities to go to so many different places because my training was so in-depth. And wonderful. But again, it was because my mom advocated for me yeah. and um, she was not trained in any type of, of playing of an instrument, as I shared with you. 
she just had a love for the art and again was like this should be for every single child and i'm going to make sure my children are in front of these instructors and that that's what got us to the next level so i created the art Sony conservatory it was basically based on the concept of that uh, magnet school that i attended at the age of 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it has musical theater for children. It has band. It has dance classes, orchestra, uh, even drumming. We do therapeutic drumming. We don't call mm -hmm. it that when the kids take it. We call it African right. drumming or world drumming, <laughs> and we put that in many continuation schools. Um, oh, and man. it's made a world of difference in the lives of the youth that we've brought it to. But the concept Absolutely. of the school came from the Magnet School. So the Arts and Learning Conservatory is what I founded 20 years ago. And mm -hmm. we're now in 55 schools throughout Orange mm -hmm. County, Riverside, a little bit into LA, making sure, just like I did, the arts were in yeah. the school where I was. Had it not mm -hmm. been there, I don't know where I would be today. But because yeah. it just happened to be in the school across the street of the women's shelter I was in, it, it yeah. opened up a whole new world for me and gave me a voice um, yeah. that showed me that I'm valued. And I made friends with kids from all different backgrounds. And mm -hmm. I learned it didn't make a difference where I lived, what exactly. I looked like, what finances I didn't or didn't have. All that was important was that I was valued for me and the sound yes. that I created through the yes. art form. In my case, it was cello that mm -hmm. that just gave me such confidence. So that's why I created the conservatory. And I have over 45 instructors mm -hmm. that helped me go into these different schools. Yep. And we've received all kinds of numerous awards because of the work that we're doing that should just be part of the regular school day that isn't. So anyway, so that's that's how I am. That's how I became who I am today, you know, CEO of the organization. <laughs> but it's I lived it. It's, it's not just a commodity or just a yeah. great job to have. It's it's my life. And I want to see other children thrive and succeed and, and have just even an ounce of opportunity. Yeah. If the arts is what's going to keep a child in school, then I want to make sure that's there. If it's going to get them to college, which we have a college pathway in our organization now, then let's get them to college. But right. it, it just transformed my life. And I want to make sure that happens for other children like myself, whether it doesn't have to be a, a race thing. It, it's just no. children. <laughs> they need this. And with everything that happened with COVID, you know, it's it was even that much more important for people to realize that the arts aren't a commodity. It's something that provides healing. Yes. It provides community. It helps yes. kids with their focus. It helps with language skills. It helps with mm -hmm. just teamwork, um, mm -hmm. again, with confidence. All of those things are what the arts does. Mathematics, entrepreneurial yes. thinking. It comes from being in an arts environment that sparks Absolutely. those wonderful things and it's needed in our schools today. So it is. And I think that you hit on so many different things. Let's see if I can remember. I, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I get so excited. I, this. <laughs> I get excited, too. I was very much holding myself back from interrupting you because I've done that to other people, other guests on the show. But um I'm glad you mentioned mathematics because I did an eighth grade speech, uh, how music enhances math mm -hmm. and, and got an A on that, which was wonderful. Mr. Verizon. Yes, it was a lot of fun. But um, music and the arts allow people of all ages, because my dad is, let's see, if I'm 54, my dad will be 84 in October, October 21st. And um, he paints and now he's doing pottery. He just started learning pottery because in their neighborhood that, that is offered. They have a bunch of different type of arts classes, which I love because I think from all ages, young to, you know, 84 to 104, we should be able to express, like you were saying, give you a voice. Mm -hmm. um, and I know during COVID, Deborah, it was so difficult for me personally, because I love to speak. I love to be with people. 
I allowed to be hugging people. So right. on a paper mask, ruining my red lipstick, not being allowed to touch people, not being allowed to see them in my home, you know, so many different things. But also our daughter, who's now 17, was um, finishing her eighth grade year of her K through eight magnet school. It was Spanish English immersion. Um, and her brother graduated that school. And so many of the things like just kind of came to a halt. And I think mm -hmm. with cell phones, uh, another thing in social media, it's like we're connecting, we're at each other's fingertips with the touch of a phone, but yet we're so dis, in my opinion, we're so disconnected. And right. I love the fact that you were talking about, um, you know, community. I think that what I found with my son going to the doctor for just a checkup or his uh, physical to go on Boy Scouts camp, let's mm -hmm. say, you know, the doctors would always ask, only one didn't, and he was in training. Um, what sports do you play? You know, my son's six foot four, a oh, boy. Yeah. It, what sports do you play? And my son would go, none. So then they were like, oh, you're a gamer? My son's like, no. You mm. know, and my son likes classical music. Mm. He loves going to the symphony, whatever city he's visiting. He tries to find what musical things are going on. You know, and, it, and I found very quickly as the mom who was trying to sit with her zip, uh, zipped lips in the corner, you know, as the mm -hmm. son's going through. And finally, I would say to my son, Tell them what you like to do when you're not at school. I like to ride my bike. Okay, there. Now you can start a conversation. It's mm -hmm. it's not always about sports. I think our, mm -hmm. for me, our country is so, you know, looking at it, sometimes I feel like our country is so, well, what sports do you play? Instead of saying, what do you like to do? Oh, you play an instrument. Tell me about it, you know? Oh, you like to paint. What do you like to paint? You know, when do you paint? What, what, or how do you draw? Or, you know, like, I think that it, our society, and I know I'm making these huge blanket statements, which usually I don't, but I wish that our society would give more uh, acknowledgement, time, money, uh, all resources, yeah. energy. Mm -hmm. I see energy as a resource to exactly what you're talking about, because music is a way of, so I just went to one of my bucket lists was to attend an Indian wedding, which I told you at the beginning, I went right. to. How and was music, that? Oh my gosh, the jewelry, so intricate. Mm, the, the color. Detail, the earrings, the, the colors, um, the, the the embroidery, I come from a fashion background. So I was just drooling. I had to hold my jaw up the Ooh. whole time. You know, I wanted to touch everything. Of course, these were mostly strangers, so I couldn't go up Ooh. and touch, but I really wanted to just take these gowns and these scarves and these headpieces and just hold them and look because each of those beads were sewn on by hand. You know, wow. it was just, just, then the music came, right? And the music was like, oh, right. And we would, you talked then, about drums, and um, they had a drummer there on both Friday and Saturday who added to the music that the DJ was playing. So we had live oh, drumming, which okay. was extremely healing. So I was totally in my glory, you know. I mean, my feet were tired by the end of the night. So I said to my husband, okay, I think I had to, we have to go now because I'm tired. <laughs> I wore myself out, you know what I mean? Wow. But um, what it, it, Music just really brings people together, whether they're whether they're like me at that event, listening, not understanding the words, mm -hmm. feeling the beats, moving my body to the beat a little awkwardly compared to everyone else. You know, <laughs> I, I realized very quickly also, it's not a good idea to wear Spanx and high heel platform sandals to a an event like that. I should have oh, done with all the movement. Many oh. of the women had like a, flat slipper like shoe on and they were able to do everything those legs were working so beautifully and i thought okay mm -hmm. mental note next time yes i will <laughs> but um you know it goes from the person who's singing to the instruments to the people attending to the people like i love thinking about when i think about music um a baby in their diapers 
just kind of all of a sudden, like the body starts going with the beat, and the hips start swaying, then the hands start going, and well, the smile starts coming. It's the know? universal language. It's yes. universal. It it re resonates with everyone, every yes. culture. We all come together as one when it comes mm -hmm. to music and the arts. We yeah. feel it. It it's it's not just some document that you read and right. you, you you feel it. it it's mm -hmm. intrinsic. So. Yeah, that you that's what you experience, that universal language. You could get up and move so and cool. hard and feel part of a community. Yeah. You know, it's beautiful. We did. That's and we beautiful. were we were accepted, you know, like we were the only ones dressed differently. I was the only one with short hair, obviously. Mm. Um, in this faith, hair is important. So every right. men, women, uh many men had their hair long, women long, and so you know, it it was fun to be welcomed and to move and shake and smile and dance and eat and enjoy. And um, so for, for my family of four and then for my parents, myself being the oldest of uh, three kids, so our family of five, music was always important. And that's one thing I, I knew today's conversation would be just so soul fulfilling for me. And I hope for those listening, because music crosses borders and allows us, like you said, it helps with math. I think you said expressing ourselves, giving a voice. You named several other things. I didn't catch them all. Do you remember? Uh, I think you were talking like about language, language art. I mean, yes. it even, it, it, there's something with music and language that, helps rewire the brain. I've had students because um, I mentioned I'm a cellist and in my bio, um, a professor of music. I also yeah. worked with elementary school students for years and years. Uh, it was like 20 some years teaching mm -hmm. string orchestra and classes. And mm -hmm. I would have students who were autistic who mm -hmm. would come in and would not have the verbal uh, communication or ability right. to communicate verbally but you give them an instrument yeah they're amazing the pitch the ear yeah. that they have for, yeah. for pitch is beautiful and then I've had students who are dyslexic mm. who even read notes because they're I mean not notes but words because they're bouncing right. off the page but we're able to read notes Cheating. and play an instrument and yeah. it rewired their brain to be able to read words I've had yeah. that happen with several students. So there's something with the arts and music that really intrinsically, again, enters into the soul of a person yes. and helps them be able to navigate what, yeah. what was complicated. It just shoots right through it and helps kids just connect on yeah. an academic level. So it's, yeah. it's deep what, what the arts really can do for a child or people in yeah. general. I mean, you look yes. at older people who yes. might even have dementia, but they'll remember a song or, or something yes. just takes them right back mm -hmm. uh, with the art, with music yeah. uh, that it's, it just transcends issues and it just, it strengthens a person. So yeah. oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love my job. <laughs> well, and that's another thing. Let's talk about that. You know, you just said, I love my job with enthusiasm. And I always say to my kids, you, when Sonia was younger, okay, read with enthusiasm. And then right. the, the story took a whole life of its own, you know, and she's getting ready, uh, preparing for, you know, what college do I want to go to? What career should I step into and stuff like that? And that's one of the biggest things. Like I said to her, I want you to love your job. Just like now I can say, you can listen back to this episode and hear Deborah say it with such enthusiasm. So mm -hmm. what advice do you have for people on that? Um, like, how do you see that? Because I think it, it's happened to me. I started in the fashion industry and I, I did. I loved every bit of what I did. I loved being able to shop the market and bring clothing and then shoes to the stores. We had 265 mm -hmm. stores at the time and I loved it. It made my heart like skip a beat in a good way. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the environment was toxic at the time. Mm -hmm. I don't know now, so I can't speak to then now, but we're talking 
uh, early 90s and it was just uncomfortable and I needed to get out of there because it was turning my stomach. Like I went to bed at night with knots in my belly and woke up with knots in my belly. So I learned that I should get up earlier and go to the gym and walk three miles on the track, watch the sunrise, because that was something I enjoyed doing. Right. And then I went home, showered and got ready for work. So I got a, I found the sweet spot for me to get out of bed. Um, but I only could do that for so long before I needed to get out of there. And I did. Mm-hmm. But like um, having come from an experience where I was in a career that I loved, but it was toxic. What, mm-hmm. what do you recommend? Like, what do you see or how do you help others? Because you work with so many children. Um, okay, so how do I help? Well, again, I came into what I'm doing. I created my own organization. It's not like I walked in, got hired. I saw a need and yeah. I said, enough's enough. So in my case, where again, I was already teaching for about 10 years before I started my organization. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, my my husband and I were talking and I'm like, I, I need to start my own music conservatory or my own music. <laughs> and this time I had my master's degree. So I'm like, I can do it. I can do it. And he's like, okay. So really like the weekend before I was going to do a music summer camp, I had three kids signed up. Mm-hmm. So I told him, I'm like, I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm going to wait until I'm retired when I'm 65 or something. <laughs> and I'll start this because I'll be well established by then. <laughs> and he looks at me and he's like, if you don't do this now, you're never going to do it. So pick up the phone, call yeah. a few extra families yes. and do your camp. But if you don't do it now, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that weekend I called about like a hundred families. Cause remember I, I was just a few, <laughs> just a few <laughs> I 500 on the list. And I'm like, after I got to 100, I'm like, that is it. I'm not, because I call from Friday till Sunday night. And I I'm love like, it. I can't do anymore. Yeah. So by Monday I had 24 students signed up for my oh. very first performing arts yeah. camp. Yeah. And the very next summer we had 145 kids oh. come and I didn't call anybody that year. So, um, but that, that was all birth out of seeing a need and yeah. seeing how music was being removed from so many children and so many schools instead of sitting by and going, Oh man, that's just so sad. I used to have music in school. Right. And I saw that and said, no way I'm going yeah. to do whatever I can in my little area or sphere of influence, and I'm going to do my part here mm-hmm. because I cannot in all consciousness, right. uh, being a woman of faith as well, I, I just couldn't in all consciousness just sit back and go, oh, too bad, too, so sad, too bad. <laughs> I had to do something. So that's why I started my organization. Yeah. And like I said, we started with like 24 kids. Next summer had 145. And yeah. so they were serving 2,400 students a year and mm-hmm. over the and we're coming into our 20th anniversary next year we've uh-huh. served close to 20,000 children yeah. with performing arts classes whether it's band orchestra musical theater dance singing mm-hmm. and i'm just amazed and i'm humbled by how many kids we've lives we've touched and i'm excited about how many more we're going to reach yeah. over the next few years so it all came for me uh, the spark came from having experienced the arts and then stating, no, I'm not going to watch this go by the wayside. I have to do something. So my, my advice to anyone that wants to, let's say they want to create a business, do something that you feel passionate about mm-hmm. because you're going to want to get up every day. Even when it's hard to get up right. to do your work, you're going to have something in you inside of you that says, I need to do this. This this is what's needed to help other people. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be so much more, you'll be influenced by what you know needs to get done as opposed to, oh, I just need to make some money. You right. know? <laughs> so yeah, I, more, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I can wait. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just, it's just a matter of your having a, a calling and a focus yes. and you're going to stick with it. If it's something you believe in and you know it's going to make an impact to better someone else's life, 
And you, if you make a decision of what you're going to do based on that, you've made the right decision. Yes. All of the stars are going to align. Things are just going to work out. And it's, it's going to be hard to put a business together. But at least if you're doing it for the right reasons, the reasons of helping other people and the reason of, you know, this is what's needed, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's going to work out for you. So that's my advice in a very roundabout way. <laughs> no, I love it. It, it. it was, I thought, very direct. I thought it was perfect because mm -hmm. um, I believe in the same things, Deborah. I feel like we are each born so unique. Um, you know, as unique as our fingerprints, I always told my children, you're, you know, sometimes Sonia would say, oh, he's the smart one. And I was like, well, first off, you're, you know, one's biological, one's adopted. So mm -hmm. second of all, it doesn't happen like your mom had seven kids. It doesn't happen. One's smart, one's pretty, one's, no. one's a football player, one's this. No, that's not mm -hmm. how it works. I mean, some families might believe that. I don't think. But, you know, obviously kids sometimes think that. But I was like, that doesn't work either. But mm -hmm. I do. I, I um. I believe we all have a calling. I'm glad you used that word as well. Um, and, you know, when we focus on that, it's amazing because I believe in everything you just said. When, for me, it's, I call it exquisitely aligned. When we align mm -hmm. with who we were born to be, who those gifts, those talents, those heartfelt desires that you had, you know, for, hey, music needs to continue in, in such a way that it's accessible and connects everybody. And, you know, let's start with the kids and bring it up. They, they bring it home to their parents and so forth, you know. Um, and I believe when we know our soul level truths that this is a gift, this is um, a blessing, this has a thread, right, that goes from your mom to you, to like, really, what is the likelihood that you end up across the street from that school in Ocean High? You know I what know. I mean? From where you were born to where you, for all of those um, little dots to connect, to get you yes. to there, to the, the teacher whose name I, I forgot to write down. Miss Brown. Ms. Ryan, Brown. You know, yes. Like all those Thing. It was all divinely aligned. I mean, totally. shoot. I'm like I said, I come from a, I'm a woman of faith. I believe mm -hmm. that things don't just happen by accident, mm -hmm. but that they're divinely aligned to happen for a reason. So yes. if you're someone out there that's even listening to this today and saying, well, I don't yeah. know what my calling is. When you don't know what your calling is or what, what mm -hmm. you're supposed to be doing in this life, you serve. Find somewhere just to serve, because when you get your yes. eyes off of yourself and you think too hard and get too much in your head, when right. you start serving other people, you find something mm -hmm. there. You, you find what that yes. that you are doing something that's helping someone else. Mm -hmm. And when you begin to help other people, things will start coming into your mind of how you can do something that's going to make a difference overall. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Just do something, serve, yeah. serve, find, yeah. find a nonprofit and just go and help out. Maybe you've heard about helping girls find prom dresses or something and you've got mm -hmm. a closet mm -hmm. of dresses. Serve, right. just give, you know, it, yeah. it, it, just serving people is what's going to change your life and even mm -hmm. help you eventually see what that calling is for that person out there that's listening. But yeah, yeah, yeah. no, ab absolutely agree. I mean, I think that first we have to understand, you know, allow ourselves to hear it, right? There was a moment yes. in time where you thought, oh, I'll just wait. And mm -hmm. luckily, luckily, I don't know you extremely well, Deborah, but I have a feeling that even if your husband didn't say, oh, no, you have to do it now, I have a feeling that that feeling of I'll just wait would have passed within like a night. You would have woken up and Probably. been like, oh, no, I have to do it. You know, like I just I just True. have a feeling that that yeah. the way your heart works, it wouldn't have lasted very long. But I'm glad True. your husband was there to say, hey, no, this is the deal. You know, here's mm -hmm. a phone and go start calling. But um you know, I, I think that there are many women who I've bumped into 
over the years through business and through networking and just having conversations that, you know, sometimes they think, I do want to do something. I feel like I'm called to do something, you know, but what or now is not the right time. And I love the fact that you said serve, because even if it's once a week for an hour, then it might become 10 hours. Then before you know it, it might become a part time uh, job, uh, you know, or not uh, donation job, you know, right. you volunteering part time, yeah. full time or. I've had a conversation with somebody recently who um, was interested in what I offer people because mm. she was at a point in her life where she was going to sell her very profitable business to retire. And she mm -hmm. said, but I still want to do something. And I was like, okay, tell me what you love. What are you passionate, like the things you were saying? What are mm -hmm. you passionate about? What do you wish you could have done? But because you own this big successful business and had lots of employees, you couldn't do. So she shared with me more. And I was like, how about a 520, uh, not 529, that's college. Say, my, my son's going back to school on Thursday. Yeah. Like, see? <laughs> but uh, 501c3. And, um, you know, she's like, oh, but then how do I get, I was like, you don't need employees. Like you, you look for mm -hmm. other women who are possibly at the same point in their career where they're done working. Or like when I was a young mom, I was a stay at home mom. I didn't mm -hmm. have a podcast. I didn't work one-on-one -on -one with women. Um, and, uh, I did a lot of volunteering, at night when Mark was home or on the weekends and giving back to the community in different ways, shapes and forms mm -hmm. on the East Coast where I lived. And I said, so there, you're always going to find people at different points in their life where they can volunteer, you know, five hours a month, 100 hours right. a month, whatever, it, whatever it might be. It might be more in the summer, less in the winter. Who knows? But the, the key um, is just yeah. do something don't Absolutely. don't sit back and go oh, now is not the time or i'm not sure just do you do Absolutely. do so be a doer yeah <laughs> go to that shelter and help out yes. or food kitchen or just do something because once you put your little faith to action it will be met and yeah. that's when ideas are going to be sparked and you're going to be able to move forward but you've yeah. got to do something. <laughs> those those converse, yeah, with those conversations and connections when you put yourself in those areas, um, really, I think, like I say, they're invitations from the universe, God, your creator, whatever the right word is for who whoever's here with us. But you know, we can see those invitations more clearly, mm -hmm. and um, you know, like. I, I don't know if it was mandatory for you to go to that school, the magnet school, or if your mother saw the invitation and said, that's the school I'd like my kids to, you know, attend. You know what? In, in my case, it was just, it was there. That was the school literally yeah. right across it. the street from that yeah. shelter. So mm -hmm. it was where I had to go, but it happened to be that it was a performing arts yeah. uh, school. So is, it was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> in, on so many levels. I mean, we could talk probably for hours, or at least I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Mm. Um, the last time we spoke, you made a statement that stuck with me and I wrote it down and I wanted to just read it to you. And then if you can explain, you said, my mom was an amazing mom raising us. She knew and taught God will provide a way no matter what was going on around you. And I know you've alluded to parts of that already, but do you want to ex express or give a voice a little more to that? Sure. Um, again, with her, everything was about trust and faith and believing that your circumstance does not have to remain the same. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, within the case of escaping from home, that whole negative home life or mm -hmm. volatile, Mm -hmm. um, she planned for six months prior to my brother's graduation um, for us to leave. And it was, wasn't just her. She was able to share with some other ladies what was going on at home because she felt isolated. She mm -hmm. shared, and these women were like, we're going to help you get out of there. 
and they helped her find the women's shelter where we were, where we stayed in Denver. They also were able to help her just get the healing and the counseling mm -hmm. that she needed and to have the strength to stand up and say enough's enough. Um, so she, she believed that the Lord put those people in her life Absolutely. and did not want her to remain where she was. And mm -hmm. some people might go, well, you know, if God really was there for you, none of this should ever happen. Well, people have their own way of doing things. And we, mm -hmm. have, we have to make a decision or a choice of who yes. we're going to serve. If we're going to, you know, believe in God or not, you have mm -hmm. that right and that choice. And my dad yes. chose to. And yeah. he brought tech and, and chaos with it. Mm -hmm. But um, that was his decision. But my mom chose to believe in God instead stated, we're not going to stay here. We're going to get out of here. So when the three oldest were safe away at college, she said, that's it. <laughs> we're getting out. And we it. were able to do so. Other signs of faith, her faith in God was just the fact that five out of seven kids received full rides to university across the nation for music. <laughs> and you, we had no money, but we're all of a sudden going to these different universities and it's taken care of. That's an act of God. I'm sorry. You know, that that's pretty clear. Yeah. Um, other things, even with the training that we had, the fact that I had this amazing cello teacher that actually took the time to yeah. help develop my gift and my talent, even with my mom not being able to pay a dime towards lessons. Yeah. An act of faith. I was also in a private school. My mom spoke with the private school and let them know our situation. And we, we had to pay a little bit to be there, but it wasn't anywhere close to what anyone else was doing because my mom knew that God was going to provide. So there's so many different, that's just my story. There's <laughs> other kids with the right. stories. And I could tell you, contact me later. I could tell you some stories. But it, it, was, it wasn't just that it's a bunch of words and silliness. Right. We lived it. We saw testament after testament of amazing things that took place because we believed the situation was going to change. And we knew that God was going to make a way where there was no way. And I literally physically saw these things happen. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm believing. I'm saying that. Well, right. <laughs> I, I, I love so many things about that, Deborah. I mean, I wrote myself some notes. I love the fact that your mom could raise her hand and ask for help, mm. that she could be so vulnerable and say to these other women, I am in a bad situation. Sometimes I think we're afraid that then the man looks bad. Well, if somebody has a mental health issue, and I don't know if he does or did or does. Honestly, I but, think that's really what it was. Right, yeah. but we... Um, so so often, I think we always want to uh, only focus on the positive and not share that something unpleasant, hurtful, uh, uncomfortable, you pick the words, whatever it mm -hmm. might be in somebody's home is happening. And then we feel less than because we're allowing it. But the, like you said, I mean, so beautifully, I love the fact that your mom was able to be vulnerable and share with those women the truth of what the situation was right. and that it was uncomfortable and there needed to be an escape and that your mom could have the strength to be able to, you know, for six months plan and keep that um, plan at the forefront of her mind because we sometimes let other things outside of us take, oh, I'm tired today, or, oh, my daughter is not feeling her best. No, we better not do that. It'll rock her world when I mm -hmm. have to have her put her cello on her back and have her suitcase in her hand, you know, but your mother knew she had the foresight, the insight, the intuition, the, you know, so many words come into mind, the faith, the trust, all of those things to say, okay, if the first three are safe, then the other four, if I hold two hands and they each hold another hand, 
we mm-hmm. can, the five of us can make this journey to how right. many different states to where, oh, you know, in cities. I mean, I love so many. The other thing is the focus to stay, you know, committed to that faith and to stay committed to the plan. But you know to, what, though, too? You know, the other thing that she taught us because we, it was a pretty volatile, like I mentioned, it was a horrible yeah. situation when he was there, um, yes. present, um, home from work or what have you. But what could have happened in our lives is that we could have been bitter, yes. mad, upset, right. like hated yeah. our father. But even in the midst of all that, she said, you forgive. You yes. forgive him. Don't hold on to that let it go for again because god's going to take care of whatever situation he's going through you forget and she taught us that and even you know we had every right to be mad and my brothers experienced some terrible things from my father and she kept telling forgive 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 and they were able to Mm -hmm. because she realized that if you do not forgive it's not going to hurt that other person it will eat away at your very soul Mm-hmm. and consume you. She yes. wanted us to be free in every area, not just physically from a yes. situation, but spiritually and just from a mental uh, soul state. Yeah. She wanted us free. And I can honestly state that because of her example yeah. of forgiving, we were able to get free and yeah. stay that way and not be resentful and, and upset and you know, uh, just gleaning off of that, like, oh, my mm-hmm. life was my life was rough, but mm-hmm. I was able to, because of our faith, move forward and not mm-hmm. stay in the rut and be able to forgive freely. So, she taught us so much, and she's still alive today. She's yeah. actually living it. in a nursing facility, mm-hmm. and I get to see her um, as much as I possibly can. I talk to her all the time on the phone and. She's just such, she's always been a positive, happy person, always yeah. singing. You, you call her, she's always got a song. It's like, I don't want to hear your song, mom, but you listen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just when you grow up with someone like that, it, yeah. and even in the midst of the adversity, you yeah. come out strong because you see the strength that's in that individual. Yeah. And so that's what my mom has been to me. And I honestly, like I said, when it comes to the whole faith thing, I, I saw it in action. Yeah. And so for me, I have to, I, it's not like I have to, I, I believe yes. that God has a plan and a calling for everyone's life. It's just, are you open to it? And right. what are you going to do? Are you going to get up and do something? Or are you just going to sit and go, oh, I don't know. You got to put it to action. So yeah. anyway. And, it, and how good it looks and feels on you. Because I know that was one of the other things I wrote when we spoke that day. Believe in and live it. And I, mm-hmm. I wrote that in caps and made a big circle to make sure. Um, because when you said that, Deborah, I was like, you certainly, that's what you exude. I think that when I met you and, you know, um, you were receiving another award, right? (laughs) Which is a wonderful thing. And I am so happy you received that award, but, you know, um, I, I love, I think it makes you even more attractive from the inside out. You know, Mm. I, I've not met your mother, but I feel like I can see her. You know what I mean? I feel like I can feel her. And I I commend both of you women and the rest of your family, because I believe that when your mother chose to live that life, and I'm guessing there were days that were not easy or comfortable, or some of them were exhausting, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that uh, she really was able to shine her light, even as exhausted as she was, so that you guys can shine. And sorry, that's a New York thing. You <laughs> women, not you guys. You yeah, women yeah, no, I understand. Can, you know, can light the way for others. And I believe that's why we're here, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when Mark got sick and things were really rough and, and exhausting and just 
walking around, I felt like with my head in a cloud because I was so sleep deprived and, and just wondering, will he survive or won't he survive? Will I be a widow? Mm -hmm. So forth. And will my kids have a dad? Um, you know, I realized life is short. And if the freedom you're talking about with forgiveness is not always easy, mm-hmm. um, but I, I liken it to, I heard somebody describe it once and it was for a man. So I'm going to describe it the way I would think of it for a woman is if you had a closet full of someone else's stuff, you know, whoever it be that did something wrong to you. And then there's no room for you to put anything in there. You can't put a blouse, a pair of shoes, a purse, flip-flops, nothing, because you have all their stuff and it's collecting dust and it's taking up space and it's clutter and you can't open, you can't walk in the closet. So, you know, I think that's the heaviness. Right. We have to remember if we can um, have that faith and, and free up that space, like Mm -hmm. your mom taught you so beautifully and gracefully to do. And, um, you know, mental health has come up again, and I don't know if this was the case for your dad, but mental health has come up, I think, in the, the past every other episode of mm. the past two months, which is very interesting to me, how, how like, there are breadcrumbs leading a path and mm. how, like, at different times, and I still believe mental health is still not spoken about as much as it could be. Right. Um, right. And given um, for ways for people to raise their hand and say, I'd like help or I need help, like your mom did, saying, hey, I want to protect my children and myself in a new Mm -hmm. place where they can thrive. And so um, it's it's interesting that it kind of came. I said the words, not that you said that that was the issue, but I think that. But you you know know, what? I think. I have to think that there was a mental health issue. My dad worked three jobs. I mean, mm. you know, seven kids. My mom worked a part-time job while we were in school and was always yeah. there for us after school. And I think with him having so many kids, plus yeah. just the pressures also of being an African-American male right. trying to financially survive, take care of these kids, one of his jobs was he worked as a nurse and wow. he would take some medications that he would self-medicate. Yeah. And so um, it was just, he had a lot of pressures going on. It does not excuse no. abuse at all, but he had a lot of stuff going on. And I really feel like when he started self-medicating, it really took a turn for the worst. And yeah. it was something that he couldn't even get himself out of and that's why we're like we're out because <laughs> we're yeah. not staying here but um exactly yeah, yeah. And, and and i think we don't have coping skills even today in 2023 right. i think we as a society lack coping skills coming from a yoga background and now working one-on-one with mostly women men and now teens mm-hmm. um helping with college career and chocolate croissants and uh, purpose possibilities and Prosecco, you know, um, I'm finding that there's oftentimes missing pieces of like just the coping skill, like um, that groundedness your mom gave you with a faith, the ability to forgive, the ability to see things in maybe Alexa off, to see things in a different light you know, mm-hmm. things like that, where so often we're busy, which is a four letter word. I tell my kids, I, when I call them or text them, I don't want to hear I'm busy. I'll, mm-hmm. you know, I'll call you back. No, it, it, <laughs> what are you busy doing? It can wait for a moment. Most of the mm-hmm. time, you know, mm-hmm. is, is the building on fire? Okay. Well then, you know, take a breather, take two minutes, take a breather. But um, I think sometimes we get overly busy and unfocused. I mean, all the words we've um, spoken about today, but um, mm-hmm. I'd love for you to share, if you would. I know you have a, a capital campaign and the information will be here in the show notes. But if you can give a voice to that, because it's such a um, 
a beautiful way for people to invest and give mm -hmm. back to the community in such a profound way with what you're doing, Deborah. And I'd love for you to just speak about that if you don't mind. So the Arts and Learning Conservatory is the name of my nonprofit. And like I'd mentioned, we're touching so many lives of children and we're finally able to build our own theater in our space here. We're in the city of Costa Mesa. Um, it's a comprehensive campaign that we're doing. And over the course of three years, we're trying to raise several millions of, millions of dollars to be able to build this space for the community, for children, and use it actually as a social enterprise so that anyone renting our facility, those mm -hmm. finances would go right back into scholarships and right back into the programs to make sure that the consistency is there for children. Um, the longevity is here for mm -hmm. the organization. So if you're someone that's interested in giving towards our nonprofit, you can find information on how to give at arts, A-R-T-S, the word and, A-N-D, learning.org. So at artsandlearning.org, go to the give button and you'll be able to donate towards our building or donate towards a scholarship. And if you're local and you're just like, hey, I want to come and help, we take volunteers. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Or do some costumes or paints yes. or just want to work with children. We have opportunities for you and we absolutely love volunteers. So any of this, and especially with uh, finances, will help further our mission of making and keeping the arts accessible and equitable for children. And if you didn't catch that, it's here in the show notes. So you can um, click there and go directly. And also on our website, you'll learn more about Deborah, her team, her mission, and performances that are upcoming. So Deborah, I'd love to pick a card from Opening to Possibilities. These okay. are journal prompts and contemplation uh, conversation starters. You can meditate, so forth. I shuffled them before we started. Okay, great. Quick shuffle again. And if okay. you don't mind, as I thumb through, you just say when to stop and I'll stop. So I'll start okay. now. Stop. Okay. Oh, one of my favorites, Gusto. Ooh. And I feel like you definitely have Gusto. Definitely, definitely. So Gusto. Live each day with gusto. Uh, do you live fully? I almost could answer these questions for you. Um, <laughs> would you like me to answer them? No. Um, there's three questions you could pick to answer all three, one or two. You decide. Do you live fully? How do you make each moment count? What is one thing you can do today to live more fully? Hmm. You know what? One thing I can do today to live more fully is write thank yous, thank you cards mm. to people. And I've been challenging myself to do that like at least five a week. Yeah. Uh, just take the time to say thank you to someone somewhere. So today, I, yes. I appreciate that Gusto card. I'm going to do my five today. I'm going to write five thank yous to someone just, just to be grateful for yeah. those that have invested in my life. Yeah, I love, love, love that. And um, <laughs> I, I think their thank yous are so phenomenal and um, they really make other people's day, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I think sometimes we don't give them enough credit. So five, I love it. Awesome, yeah. Deborah. You are, you are such a delight uh, sure. to to sit across from, you're such a delight to share a passion of the arts and faith and um, following a calling. And I, I, it's always hard for me to come up with the right words. Although I talk a lot, I don't always have the right words. But for me to say thank you to you, I want you to know it's like with my whole being. I thank you, Deborah, for stepping into what you do I thank you for helping these kids and outreaching far bigger than just the child, because I know personally it takes a village to raise a child. And mm -hmm. I know that you're touching these families, the right. pride they must have in seeing their child learn 
how to perform, how to be part of an organization where they're making music, they're in harmony, they're um, touching the hearts of grandparents. I mean, I know how far reaching this is. I realize you said, uh, I think it was 20,000 plus children, mm -hmm. but I know it's probably 20 fold of that. Of the families, right, yes. yeah. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I do, yes. because I know just how far reaching, and probably it's more than that now that I think about the family, but then the children's friends. Mm -hmm. So when I say to you, thank you, it's uh, the word thank you is not enough. So I hope I'm saying it with gusto that you know, Deborah, I, I love walking the earth with you on it because I know you're making this place a better place, not just for my children, but for my grandchildren, great grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And you you're just such a light and um, please send my best to your mom. I know she doesn't know who I am, but it in any way, shape or form, send her a thank you from me for, for her vulnerability, her raising her hand and asking for the help and having the wherewithal and the energy to do that with, with uh, the four of you. And I'm going to include the three olders because I know even though they were out of the house, for seven children and herself. And I'm so glad she still has music in her, you oh know. I, yeah. I, I'm just so glad, because I think that keeps us young mm -hmm. and healthy. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with, um, where is it? Uh, Masuro Emoto, the true mm -hmm. power of, let's see, water. But he has a video, a YouTube that I'll send you. And okay. I use it with my yoga students, especially with children. I don't know that the child's book is here, but how music changes the shape of water under a microscope. Mm, and, I've heard um, of that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so. And so what music heals us, like the drums, classical music, so forth, versus what heavy metal can do to our body. Mm. Not that I think you're listening to heavy metal or sharing it with your kids. I know I'm not. But um, right. You know, so how the whole realm can affect us. And so thank you for, from the bottom of my heart, you are so delightful. Thank you for sharing so transparently those things that are, I want to say, sensitive. Um, I know some people who have been through things that are similar who would prefer not to give it a voice, to kind of leave mm -hmm. it in the past. And I think when you share so candidly, you allow others to share from their heart and realize that when we do share those stories of where we came from and where we are now, I don't know. I feel like it's enlightening and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and gives others hope, you know? So um, kudos to you. <laughs> Thank you. I really enjoyed having you here with us today and um, I commend well, you for all the work you do. Thank you for having me. It was a complete, it's, it is a complete honor that you would even invite me to come oh. and speak. And um, I, I love being a part of this today. So I hope it helps someone out there Absolutely. with um, their confidence, with their faith and stepping out and doing something, just doing, get out and serve. I, I just hope more people will just get up and do that because it's going to make a huge difference in their heart and in their lives. So Thank you for letting me come and just be a voice today on your wonderful podcast. Absolutely. Till next time, be exquisite. <laughs>